So the reading this morning is from Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and it's on page 918 in the Blue Bibles. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Before we start, let's pray. Yeah, Lord, today, Lord, as we come to look at your word, Lord, may you bring it to life in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit be so evident in this place. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to share what you want us to hear today. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, is, it's harvest, so um, our passage today is kind of connected to harvest, um, and we're going to be looking at how God is our provider. Our passage is in Matthew 6, it's the end of that chapter, and it's actually part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, those few chapters, and it kind of comes near sort of the middle section. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is an amazing few chapters, it's an incredible set of teaching straight from Jesus. It's full of great wisdom, and essentially Jesus is teaching on a better way for us to live. I don't know if you noticed in our reading today, but there are, there's a pretty clear instruction that Jesus gives. Three times Jesus tells us, do not worry. Do not worry. In one translation it says, do not be anxious. Now, I'm not an expert in understanding worry or anxiety, but we know it's, it's not a good thing. You know, Jesus says, you know, who can add to his life? You know, it's a fruitless thing. Jesus tells us not to do it. Now, worry can be something that is quite mild, um, and it probably affects, or it does affect all of us. Or it can be quite severe. There's a scale, isn't there? I had uh, an experience of anxiety or slight worry, probably mild worry, just on Friday, just gone. 
Uh, I was meant to be going on a trip with my father-in-law, um, and we went to uh, one of those day trips to France and to Belgium to visit war memorials, and it was a great day. But the only problem with those trips is that you have to get up early. You have to get really early. And uh, this time of year, it's got, got past that point where it's bright in the morning. It's like you feel like you're getting up in the middle of the night at half five. And um, yeah, I, when I went to bed, I just I had a terrible night's sleep. I had this, that thing where you just keep waking up. It was like every half an hour or so, I would wake up and check my phone to see what the time was. And it would be like one o'clock. And then it was like 20 to two. And it was quarter past two, and I was like, what is going on, you know? But it's obviously because I was having that, just that anxiety and that worry about, you know, not getting up in time and keeping my in-laws waiting. Um, obviously, don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so obviously, yeah, anxiety and worries, they affect us uh, on, a, on that scale. It can be quite mild. It can be quite severe, you know. It affects us uh, physically. It affects us emotionally. It affects us, obviously, mentally. And uh, it can be quite crippling. Um, you know, it can affect us in very real and challenging ways. And there is definitely a place uh, for us as believers to seek medical help if we need it. Um, and I don't actually think that Jesus is kind of addressing that level of anxiety in our passage today. And the truth is that worry is actually unavoidable. You know, changes happen in our life. There are those big milestone moments, aren't there? Um, and the normal human reaction is to have that worry. I think, I imagine most of us have experienced the, the butterflies in the stomach on those important days, whether it's the day of the big exam or the first day at a new job or, um, yeah, the, the driving test, the wedding day. You get the, that mild anxiety. It's, unav- it's unavoidable. And in reality, I think in this passage, Jesus isn't actually saying to not ever worry. But what he is saying is actually when anxiety comes, we have to deal with it. We cannot let our anxieties go unchecked and spiral out. And today he's providing us with a solution for keeping much of that anxiety at bay. You know, Jesus is the prince of peace after all. You know, he has... Uh, every intention for us to experience peace. Anxiety and worries is not in his plans for us. So if we look at our passage, Jesus identifies a key cause for our worries and anxiety, and it's found in verse 30. At the end it says, Jesus says, about your little faith. Your little faith. Now faith, because it can be little or it can be big, that means we can measure it. And how do we measure it? We measure it by our level of trust. And we actually have faith in very many things. Um, often we don't really think about it or realize it, but um, we do. You know, when we drive in our cars and we get on the motorway and we hit those high speeds, actually we've got a level of trust that our car and our brakes are going to work if we need them to. You know, some of obviously I think we all like to go on holiday and many of us like to go abroad. And if we do that, often... We have to get on a plane. Um, I mean, my experience, I think I've probably only ever seen the pilot once, but I've never spoken to him. More often than not, I've never seen the pilot face-to-face, but I've had to put an element of trust that he knows or she knows what they're doing and that they can do their jobs safely. 
Uh, the other day, uh, I went to Wildwood, the uh, animal place. I took Jonah, and I took my mum with me as well. And at one point, when we were walking around, we went to the reptile house, which is fairly new. And I kind of like it, because you kind of go through this big door, and it's all dark in there with the low lights. Um, but I know my mum's not a massive fan of the creepy crawlies. You know, she had to have an element of trust, actually, and those glass windows, that actually those snakes and those tarantulas weren't coming out anytime soon. You know, if she had any suspicion that they might be, she would never have gone in there. In our passage today, Jesus is pointing to our small faith, our lack of faith in God as the reasons for our worries. Simply put, we don't trust God enough. Jesus offers us two helpful pictures. Firstly, he talks about the birds who don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store up food, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. He talks about the flowers and how they show great beauty without hard work or labor. And Jesus asks us the question, as God provides for the birds and for the flowers, won't he also provide for us? Are we not more valuable to him? Do we not mean so much more to him than the birds, than the flowers? Now, Jesus is suggesting that there are some who work hard and strive to provide for themselves and for their families. Now we might be tempted to applaud that kind of attitude and that kind of intent. You know, for someone to stand up and take responsibility, to be independent, you know, to not be reliant on others. Yet Jesus is saying here that the responsibility of being the provider should and must rest on God's shoulders alone. In effect, when we decide to take on that responsibility of provider, we're taking on a burden that was not meant for us to carry. And we're saying to God, God, I can't trust you. God, I won't trust you. I can't trust you enough to provide for me, for my family. I will do it myself. I will do it myself. And I want to unpack the problems that we have when we decide to take on that responsibility ourselves. Uh, I think there's three, I've got going to highlight three issues. Firstly, when we take on that responsibility to provide for ourselves, Actually, it leads us onto a very dangerous path towards pride. Now, pride is a sin. Pride says, I don't need God. I can provide for myself. Pride says, I can find happiness and fulfillment without God. And you know what? It can feel great um, to be the one who is self-sufficient, self-made, independent, because actually we're the ones who get the glory. Paul instructs us, that we do all things to the glory of God. Yet our pride will mean that we actually only ever live for our own glory. The Bible says more than once, uh, this proverb, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The truth is that actually when we head towards that path of pride, and going our own way, that actually puts us in opposition to God. You know, the creator of the heavens and the earth 
an omnipotent, all-powerful God. I don't like the sound of being in opposition to him. But that's what pride does. Earlier in this chapter, we actually have Jesus giving the Lord's Prayer, which we've said already today. And in that, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus teaches us to pray this because actually sin and pride wants us to say, my kingdom come and my will be done. And that's what we're saying when we deny Jesus the respons- uh, desire, deny God the responsibility of being the provider in our lives. My second issue with our lack of faith and taking on that result, uh, responsibility of being provider is that we were never meant to have that responsibility. You know, it puts us, pride puts us in the center of things. And we're seeking the kingdom of us, the kingdom of me, myself, and I, And uh, we build our kingdoms around things like our finances, our house, our cars, our health, our smartphones, our relationships. And if we have an unhealthy focus and reliance on the welfare of those things, if anything happens to those things, if anything threatens their welfare, then actually we experience a worry and anxiety that Jesus never intended for us. We're not created to carry that responsibility. God's name, one of God's names in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. That means God will provide. It's literally God's job title to be the provider. It's not ours. It's one of his characteristics that he always provides. We're always going to come up short if we try and take on that role. Because we're human. We have limitations. And that's why worry and anxiety can be so crippling. Because we're just not built to do it. We're not meant to have all the answers. We're not meant to provide all the solutions. Now, I'm not saying that we don't take our responsibilities seriously. Obviously, we do. You know, when we work, we work hard and we do our jobs properly. And as parents, we would parent responsibly. I'm not saying that we don't take those roles seriously. But what I am saying is that the ultimate responsibility for our needs to be met has to be on God's shoulders. God doesn't want a church that is becoming independent. God wants a church that is growing in dependency on him. And my final issue with having a lack of faith in God as provider, um, actually at the end of that passage, Jesus talks about how the pagans are running after these things. They're running after the questions of uh, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? And there is a temptation for us to end up running and chasing after these things. They can become the primary focus of our lives. And the truth is the things that we chase can so easily end up becoming the most important thing we do. And that's actually when those things become idols. They become idols in our lives before our reading today, literally the verse before, in verse 24, Jesus, Jesus, says, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He says you can't serve God and money. You can't serve two masters. One commentary said that actually, although it says money, in the original 
Greek word, it's actually talking about wealth. So it's not just talking about money, it's talking about our possessions, our material possessions. Jesus is asking us today, what are we putting our focus on? What are we chasing? Is it God? Or is it the money and the material possessions? Because we can't serve both. The message actually translates that verse to saying you can't worship two gods. You know, we're either worshipping the idol or worshipping God. Jesus says just a few verses earlier as well, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will, also, uh, will be also. You know, the things we try, strive for and chase after, they become what our hearts desire, and that means it's our idol. The truth is our worries and our anxieties are actually often a symptom of a larger issue. They're a symptom that actually our hearts have started to turn away from God. Tim Keller says this, he says, An idol is anything you turn to and say, save me. An idol is anything you turn to and say, save me. Who or what do we turn to in our hour of need? When we need provision, is it God or is it those other things that we chase after? So my issues with having a lack of faith, it means that we end up being proud, which is a very dangerous road to go on because we end up getting the glory and it puts us in opposition to God. Secondly, we seek our own kingdom and we take on that responsibility of being provider and the reality is when the pressure gets too much, we cannot handle it because we were never meant to have that responsibility. And thirdly, we end up idolizing the things we chase after. And ultimately, our hearts are turned away from God. The lack of trust in God doesn't leave us in a good place. Up to now, it kind of feels like a whole lot of bad news, doesn't it? (laughs) Yet, I said at the beginning about how Jesus is speaking uh, during the Sermon of the Mount, he's actually offering a better way to live, a different way to live, to live a godly way. And so thankfully there is good news today. Here in verse 33, Jesus offers us a different way to live without worry and anxiety. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What a promise. God will provide for us. He will be the one who provides our every need. Yet, what does it mean? Like, what does it look like to see uh, to seek first His kingdom and seek first His righteousness? How do we do this? Well, I want to firstly look at His righteousness. What does that mean? And I think Jesus is actually addressing those people in the crowd who are actually prone to developing their own sense of self-righteousness. Actually, it's about what we do to make ourselves think that we're in a good place with God and that actually we look good and do the things that are right. The truth is that our righteousness, uh, righteousness can never be true righteousness if we try and do it ourselves because it is always going to be undermined by the sin of pride. We're always going to fall short of the, the true righteousness that God desires for his people. The only way we can have true righteousness is if we get it from him. It's if we get it from Jesus. 
when the, when the righteousness isn't dependent on us, when it's dependent on what Jesus did on that cross. It's not about what we've done. It's a gift of grace only found by faith. Okay, so what then does seek first the kingdom mean? Well, we live in a broken and dying world. And when God's kingdom comes, it's in order to bring life where there is death. It's in order to restore what was broken. The kingdom of God brings peace where there is strife. It brings joy where there is sorrow. People find healing. They find love, mercy, and forgiveness. People find their true purpose in life as we humble our hearts and connect with God. In essence, the mission of God is to rescue this broken world. And when we decide to seek first the kingdom, actually what we're saying is, I'm on board with that mission. We join that mission. Now, individually, what this might look like will vary. And that's because, that's because actually we're all different. God gives us different gifts. You know, we're called to be a blessing, but as we bless people, actually each one of us will do that differently. And that's good. Becoming a kingdom seeker involves pursuing God, but also involves seeking his will for our lives. And that can sound like a heavy thing, you know, when we actually stop and ask God, what, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what are you calling me to do with my life? Now, yet, in my experience, although that sounds like a heavy thing, I, I, in the 16 years that I've been following Jesus, I can say that God is very kind and he's very gracious. And actually there is a timing for, for his, his plans in our lives and there are seasons for things. Um, just over 10 years ago, I felt um, God called me to take a year out. So I'd been working for a few years I used to work for Marks and Spencers in Canterbury. And um, I felt just one night, um, God sort of popped into my head uh, the idea of doing a gap year for my church. And um, I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, you started pushing some of these doors. And it seemed like God was in it. And, um, but there was an element of, you know, it's a little crazy because it would mean that I would have to quit my job um, and not earn money for a year. Um, and at that time, Nat and I had been together for a while and we thought actually it would be a great time to get engaged because we want to get married. But getting married and not having a job uh, so you can you know, save up towards you know, a wedding and getting a house and all that, that, just, that doesn't make sense, does it? It didn't seem like it was a good idea in a worldly sense. But ultimately, you know, you've got to try and be obedient to what you feel like God's calling you to do so uh, yeah I, I still remember the day when I went to hand in my notice and uh, my manager she sat me down and she basically like it was almost like she gave me a blank blank check she was like you're not leaving when can you work and I was basically able just to pick whenever I wanted to work um, I just cherry picked the hours that I wanted to do on the days that I wanted to do and uh, I still think well that was just crazy but I know that actually that was God's provision. God had gone before me. I remember as well being concerned about, you know, what, where are we going to live? <laughs> where are we going to live? I've not been able to save 
for a year. And actually, you know, God just before we got married, he just sorted that out. We had a place to live. He provided in an extravagant way. I remember as well, just before we got married, Nat went for a, a job interview and she got a job. Um, but literally at the perfect time. Literally at the perfect time. It felt like a time of great sacrifice. But actually it was also a time of great provision. Um, I, I can testify to that happening many times. Um, and, and actually in this new job, I know many of you know that I've, I'm going to be starting a new job soon. And you know there are very real feelings that Nat and I have about um, having to leave here. You know, leave you guys who we love and leave the support that we know that you give and the love that you give us and step into something that, you know, there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty. uncertainty. I don't know what my job's really going to look like, if I'm honest. And the temptation there is to start to worry and to be anxious. Um, but actually... The truth is, I feel like God's called, called us. And uh, sometimes it's not always the timing that you want. But actually, when God calls, you have to be obedient. And actually, I know that he's been faithful. And he is always faithful. And he always goes before. Now, God calls us all differently. Not everyone is called to work for the church. And you know, that's a really good thing. Because... In God's church, he needs people to be working and living in every area of society. And when we pray God's kingdom come, actually God wants his kingdom to break out everywhere. Ultimately, it comes down to our hearts and how much we want to trust God. It starts by being a people who have chosen to put God first to have hearts that are surrendered to him, to be a people who are learning and growing in putting God first. You know, God, God can easily call us to just doing an ordinary, what might feel like an ordinary nine-to-five job. You know, to be a mum. But whatever those things are, actually God calls us to do those things. Jesus tells us not to worry but when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that means that actually we don't carry the responsibility of provision. He carries those concerns and he always provides our needs. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, with Jesus, Lord God, we thank you that you are the provider. You are the faithful one that we can depend on. Lord, today we want to check our hearts. Lord, have we turned away from you? Are we chasing other things? And Lord, if there is anything that comes to mind, Lord, we want to lay those things at your feet and surrender to you and put our trust in you as the great provider. And Lord, for some of us, we might be thinking about that question. Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do? 
Lord, I pray, Lord, as for those of us who are asking that question, Lord, may you be gracious and kind to lead us where you want us to go. Lord, may you speak to us clearly. And may we be a people who are brave enough to be obedient, to dare to follow you and trust that you will provide. Amen.